Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Good morning. Uh, this is uh, the 25th, is that right? The 25th of February. 26th. 26th of February. Meaning, meaning, Carnival in Brazil go to this Thursday. And to those in Brazil that are in retreats and throughout the country, we want to say praise the Lord to you. And, uh, and uh, remember our staff in Rio, uh, uh, Kathy and, of course, Celio and Alanir and Felipe and Monica and uh, Talita uh, and, and Andrea. So uh, for those of you that are in touch with us, uh, this is uh, Rick Bonfim Ministries. We're located in Athens, Georgia, United States of America. Athens is uh, in Georgia, east of Atlanta, Georgia, about uh, an hour and a half. I've been talking to you about prophesying. This idea of living in a mode of thought that deals with the will of God for you and finding the will of God in front of you and then following it and living that lifestyle. And I know it's not simple. I know that uh, uh, it's not for everybody. But every one of you have the propensity, the possibility of prophesying, speaking into the lives of people. Not telling them what God hasn't told them, but telling them what God has told you. And so, uh, in that discussion, we're going to begin looking at the Gospel of John with the eyes of prophecy. Looking at the Gospel of John with the eyes of prophecy. It's really interesting. Because it's a point of view or a look as to what God was doing in the life of Jesus. And what God can do in your life. Imagine if this began to happen to you. And, and your life will completely change. Because you're following your dreams when you're not following God's will. Or you're following your agenda when you're not following God's agenda. So, uh, uh, that's very important. Amen? And so, uh, your, uh, your friend Rick, uh, is here this morning to get this started. When you look at the Gospel of John, and you begin to study verses 1 through 5, it is the, the introduction of Jesus as the Son of God, the deity of Christ. And then verse 9, uh, through, uh, verse, uh, 14, uh, you talk about uh, the incarnation, how Jesus came to be uh, incarnated in the, in the world, uh, meaning He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. And so, the next verse is verse 15. All the way to verse 34. And it's the testimony of John the Baptist. And of course very important because the testimony of John the Baptist uh, uh, presents in who Jesus is. And of course on verse 35 all the way to the end of the chapter you have the first disciples. 
And we're talking about five or six of them in this period of the ministry of Jesus. He was in Berea. From there, he went to Capernaum. And you're going to see some of that uh, in the Bible study this morning. Why am I concerned about this? It's because on chapter 2, on the third day, verse 1, it begins the ministry of Jesus. We're going to look at the prophetic in the life of Jesus uh, in these next few weeks. And uh, verse 37, of course, in the two disciples, Andrews and John, and John heard him speak and they followed him. Of course, they were well, well uh, announced by John the Baptist saying, here's the one, here's the lamb who takes the sins of the world. And when, well, what bothers me here is the quality of John and Andrew in at theological stanzas, you know. How do you find somebody like John the Baptist? Disciples of John. Who was John? He was a guy who long hair, camel's hair all over him, leather belt holding the camel's hair all over him, ate locusts and wild honey in the middle of the uh, of the desert of, uh, of Judea. And, and, he <laughs> and John, John and, and Andrew find him. See, here's a very odd one, totally out of proportion with the lifestyle of the day, and the two disciples find him. So sometimes when you try to find Jesus, uh, find somebody who has fruits, and the rest of it, you can take it. A lot of people support our ministry, even though I am a, 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 very, a very oddball person. I do things that are totally com- different and, and out of line, but, but at least I have a lot of fruits. Amen? So, so now, uh, they, they follow him, verse 37. John and Andrew then were hungry. Often, after John the Baptist ID Jesus, they follow him. And so in verse 38, it, it's an interesting verse. I want to call your attention to it. It's chapter 1 of John, verse 38. Yeah, it says this, Then Jesus turned and saw them following and said unto them, What do you seek? What are you looking for? They followed because they were told by John the Baptist to follow. Now as they, as they follow, Jesus turns around and look at them. And of course, you don't want to be looked by Jesus. Things begin to change. <laughs> when Jesus looks at you, <laughs> he, he, knows, he knows everything that's going on. Amen? And so, uh, a gentle exchange... Matthew says on Matthew twelve nineteen, You shall not strive nor cry, neither any man hear his voice in the streets. So it wasn't, uh, what do you seek? What do you want? That was, uh, what are you looking for something? A gentle, a tender way of communicating. So the prophetic voice then, in chapter 1, happens in two places. And by discovering them, you analyzed what happened, you analyze what's going on, and you begin to ask your question, uh, how can you match that and be a part of that? Example. Remember when, uh, on verse 42, uh, it says, He brought him to Jesus. Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him or looked at him, he said something. He said, you are Peter. 
you are Simon, son of Jonah, and you shall be called Cephas, which is by interpretation of stone. Now, that's prophetic. Meaning, you're, you're changing somebody's name even before you shook his hands. And you are speaking into their lives even before they said, howdy doody. You see, it came out of nowhere. Prophetic. Now, let's take a look at this. Genesis 29, 32. Can you begin to find that? I'm going to need your help this morning to read some scripture. So, so Matt, Genesis uh, uh, 29, 32, and 33. Peter was named after Simeon, the second son of Jacob and Leah. Remember, Jacob and Leah in the desert. You shall be called Cephas. And Leah, and Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, Surely the Lord has looked upon my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. Okay. And, yes. and she conceived again and bore a son and said, Because the Lord has heard I was hated, he has therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. Simeon, which, which, which translates Peter. Now, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a connotation on that, John. What is it? What does the second son meant? His name means hearing. That's what my note says. Hearing. Yeah. Hearing. Hearing. Yeah. So, it had to be a name that meant something because Jesus was going to use Peter now to be the leader of the small group of five or six who came out of Berea. See, they haven't got to Capernaum yet. They're going to Berea. They're from Berea in the desert, going into Capernaum in the house of Peter. And so, what I'm saying is, is that uh, Jesus changed his name. He goes into the Old Testament, finds the name, which means Genesis 20, 29, 32, you shall be called. Future. Cephas. Now that's prophetic. That it's a why did Jesus do that? Well you don't ask why he did it. All I can tell you is that as you study Peter, uh, it fitted him well. Because he had to hear revelation from God as to what is going to happen. The word hearing means hearing God. Hearing revelation, hearing the anointing of God. Hearing the voice of God. You see, Jesus is hearing everything that happens. The Father communicates with Him. You can tell Jesus has some antennas up and down. Hearing the voice of the Father. Now He just brings Peter and says, You're going to hear the voice of the Father also. Say, prophetic begins with revelation. So, so that's the first sign that speaks about the prophetic. By the way, this is an important time because Nathaniel came this way, Andrew came this way, Simeon came this way, and, and, and Peter, and John came this way. So he's forming the twelve. And Philip. Philip, by the way, is the only one called. The rest just just tag along. Yeah. It, it seems to be good. Uh, I like what I hear. Let's go follow this guy. I want to know what it is. He's a teacher. They have no idea who he is yet, but they're following him. So, 
in the, in the last, in the second instance of the prophetic, came to Nathaniel. Nathaniel, because you believe that I saw you under the fig tree, heaven, uh, you'll see heaven open. And the angel of God ascended and ascended upon the Son of Man. Meaning, in the next three and a half years of ministry, you're going to see all kinds of revelation from God to me. And, and I'm going to show you how things are. In the, <clears throat> my goodness gracious. You're going to be overwhelmed by, by what you're going to have them open before me. I came for a purpose, <clears throat> and I'll fulfill the purpose. You understand? Yeah. Okay. <coughs> so, Amen. when Jesus says, hereafter, what does hereafter mean? Anybody? Um, from this point? Following, yeah. Following from this, this Yeah, what is it? From this point on. What does it mean? From this moment, from this prophetic statement, yes, for, from this time from that this I'm moment on, that I'm prophesying through your name. Now, what? What? Let's put it in English, verbatim English, just a plain Southern English. Son, you're gonna see things you never thought you could. From this moment on, your mind is wide open because you're gonna see a lot of things, and it's not for everybody. So, it's simply saying, Nathaniel, you will see things you never seen before. And not many people will see it, but you will. You will. Over yonder. Over yonder. Southern. That is very southern there. <laughs> now, since implies to future, it simply means that the future and what's going to happen in the life of this man is a matter of history. It's all fulfilled. His life has been dictated in front of him. And from that moment on, all he did was to see it and glorify God. Do I make my point here? Yes. Amen. Are we communicating? Yes. Okay. Uh, okay. So, now in the past few weeks, I've told you that prophecy can be related to one or to a million. Now, when Jesus spoke, your descendants will be like the sands of the sea. He was tell, telling Abraham, I, I know, I know that uh, 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 you quite don't understand that, but uh, I'm going to multiply you like you ever seen. Of course, Abraham had one wife called Sarah. And she was old, they were old, when Isaac was introduced in their life, ninety ninety five. Imagine that out of a womb that could not produce anything except by a miracle of God, Isaac, came the twelve tribes, and came the population of the known world. Think about that. God out of nothing created Amen. his descendants. Okay, so uh Okay, so let's take a look then at chapter 2. Because chapter 2 begins the acts of the ministry of Jesus and, uh, and we need to sort of... Uh, is here where we begin to learn uh, how this thing works. It says, On the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. Third day. Third day means three days from Berea all the way up to Cana, heading on to 
See, it's good to know where Jesus is going and what he is doing so you can learn what's happening. Now, the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. The mother of Jesus was there, and both Jesus and his disciples were called to the marriage. Notice this. They were called into the marriage. They were invited. Now, you probably say, Rick, uh, that's fine. I mean, I've been invited to a lot of parties, and, uh, you know, it's okay to be invited. No, 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 not really. Because if the invitation is prophetic, then the events are going to be prophetic. Can the history of... Well, look, the prophetic runs under the historical. The historic informs the events, the invitation, the time, and the object of the situation. Just an event. But the prophetic repeats what God has said long ago... Even before the event, even before those two people being married were born. Thousands of years before. So you have to understand sometimes that whatever you say to your children can in fact change the life, the course of their lives. Well, let's say, uh, let's say, uh, uh, Betty is going to, uh, in May, she's going to go to to Oregon to pray for her grandson being born. Granddaughter, I'm sorry. So, uh, the prayer should be prophetic. If, if she asks God of what to pray, God will give to him or her a prayer. Amen. And whatever she says will be translated into that child's life. So, what is that's going on about this wedding? It's a wedding in Canal Galilee. And uh, it took a week of, of wedding. You know, it's not just a bang, 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 and leave. It's a week of feast. They had some jars, you know, like 150 gallons, seven jars or six jars, this tall, large. 150 gallons, 60 gallons of wine. And people are just drinking. You know, you go to a wedding, give me a cup, now a cup, a little hors d'oeuvre, and a little, what, what do you call it, Betty? What would you eat? No, no, what? Huh? So, what do you eat in Israel? Falafel. 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 Hummus. Shawarma. Hummus. Huh? Hummus. Hummus. Hummus, yeah. olives, and olives, and, uh, and, uh, and, and and they drink wine. Okay, a little olive here, a drink wine, and then they kept on going. And so, by the time Jesus got there, uh, they were been meeting a week, and no more wine. They run out of it. So it must have been how long it take a hundred and fifty gallons of wine? How many people? <laughs> I'd say about a fifty to seventy-five people drinking a little. Little jar, so it's all gone. Why is it important? Because the spirit led life, the life of Jesus going into wedding, lives the plan of God which cannot be changed. 
When it's said, it's done. And I can tell you that something had to be said thousands of years before that wedding. So Jesus would come in the scene and complete the prophecy. Listen, let me say this to you. You can shake hands with Jesus. You can say hello to Jesus. You can dance with Jesus. You can know Jesus. You, but only you are 100% led by the Savior when you will experience a Spirit-filled led. The prophetic put into your life in the hands of God. Change everything. A lot of people are wandering through in the world like uh, uh, there's a little bug in the office these days. Okay, uh-huh. It's a stinky bug. Stink bug yeah. yeah, I see him everywhere. Uh, four or five of them, you know, just communing. Don't step on them because it will stink the whole place. All right? They sort of a pass gas. <laughs> this horrible animal. Yeah. Now, it reminds me of people that have no direction. Okay? Well, I just don't know what to do. I came down here and I flew down there. Then I came down here and I flew down there. And I came down here and I went there. There's no future. People who are called by God, anointed of God, have a future. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, a line of events that put them under the will of God to do what God called them to do. You can be a businessman. One of the things happened in Brazil on this trip is that a, a, a lot of, several, many, many, 24 some business people came to Brazil. And wasn't, what happened was that they heard the will of God for their lives. Meaning that a definition of purpose took place. When you're not defined, I don't know if I'm a woman, I don't know if I'm a man, I don't know if I'm a man or woman, I don't know, I'm just involved in this thing, I could be anything that I want. And You have no definition. Tell me somebody who don't know who they are. And tell me somebody who is lost, desperate, and wandering, and just suffering. And so, the Spirit-led life follows the prophetic of Jesus in your life. You know what Revelation 19.10 says? It says, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, or the other way around. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. The spirit of the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Yeah. Meaning, Jesus followed the will of God and the plan of God for his life. Amen. Peter said, oh, don't talk about death. And Jesus looked to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. I came for a purpose and I'll die for a purpose because I came to save humanity and change the systemic Judaistic concept of, 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 of ritual of, of sacrifice. Uh, I'll die on the cross and I'm the ultimate sacrifice. By the way, after the Jesus died on the cross... The, the, the temple ceased to provide sacrifices. Are you getting something here? Okay. I'm sure, sure that you are. Amen. So let's take a look at that. What is in the past said that might influence the present? Let's take a look at Jeremiah 31, 12. I'd like for Matt to do that. And then I'd like for... Uh, for uh, John to do Hosea, Hosea 14, 7. And then, and then Betty, you got your Bible? Yeah. Uh, uh, Amos 9, 
13 and 14. Thirty-one twelve, right, Rick? Jeremiah. Right, Thirty-one twelve. Read that. It says, "Therefore, they shall come and sing in the height of Zion, and shall flow together the goodness of the Lord, for wheat and for wine and for oil, and for the young of the flock and of the herd. And their soul shall be as a watered garden, and they shall not sorrow any more at all." So this is this is uh, this is Jeremiah calling forth. There shall be. Did you see wine there? What is it? For wheat, for wine, for oil, and for the young of the flock and the herd. Yes. Meaning, Jesus coming to Cana of Galilee is confronted with a lack of wine. The Jewish system is, is developed, is died, is broke, it's, it's bankrupt. And Jesus is going to bring the real good thing. So, take a look at Hosea 14.7 They who dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall revive as the corn and grow as the vine. The scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. Oh, and let me tell you, the wine of Lebanon is perhaps the best wine in the world because of the, of the fertile land. And right there north of Israel, which, uh, which really is where uh, Solomon went to, take, went to uh, pick up some wood to build the temple. The cedar of Lebanon. You're talking about uh, best wood in the world. You know, it's amazing. How about uh, Amos 9? Microphone. A- A- Amos 9. 13 and 14. Behold, days are coming, <clears throat> declares the Lord, when the plowman will overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. When the mountains will drift sweet wine, and all the hills will be resolved. Also, I will restore the captivity of my people Israel, and they will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will plant vineyards and drink their wine and make make gardens and eat their fruit. Meaning that the word wine here symbolizes a sign that's prophetic, something is being fulfilled. And so... All of these prophecies had to be fulfilled by Jesus going into Cana of Galilee to make wine. Now, at the end of the party when Jesus came in, He said something to the disciples. He said, Jesus said to, He said, fill with wine. Fill with water. And so, they just took water from everywhere. You know, Mm -hmm. gallons of water, buckets of water, poured into the, the water pods, six of them, fill it to the brim. And as the men in charge of the wedding, you know, the one who called the shots, eat this now, dance now, do this now, sing this now, he was the leader, came and tasted the wine. He says, oh my goodness, y'all saved the best wine for last. Uh, the first one was okay, but this one is exceptional. Now, I, I've uh, had the privilege of tasting some uh, wine in Israel. And I want you to know the wine made in Israel has got to be the best wine you can drink in the whole world. As a matter of fact, when you get a bottle, make sure that you will uh, just taste a little bit and, and share with somebody because if you go for the whole thing, you won't get up in the morning. Okay? I mean, it's, 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 it's an unbelievable wine. So what I'm saying to you is this. 
The Cana of Galilee wedding was a prophetic event. You didn't know that. So the prophetic of Jesus runs under events until you find it. How can you find it? By? By? By revelation. The Holy Spirit reveals to you what God is doing, just like the, the wedding. You probably say, Rick, what do you, what do you, how do you run this ministry? I don't know. I'm, I'm sitting down there. Johnny's sitting there. Matt is here. Frank is here. Cindy's over there. Betty's over there. Who else? Heidi's there. Heidi's there. Kathy's over here in Brazil. And I hear, make a brochure for the February trip divided between Three churches. Send, send it, and already with date included, and make an invitation. Okay, we have a February trip now. Uh, now, how, how how long that took to do? Not long. It just came. I gave to John, and John got it going. And I'll say about a week and a half, we're going to have a brochure, and we're going to send and prepare for February. Now, God said to me, do that trip. Yes. Did I hear that? Yes. Uh, did, what did, about Cuba? I heard it. Go to Cuba. All, all the districts. Every single district. Bring some money. I'll provide the money. And preach to them and love them. Yes. Everything changed because we couldn't go due to the problem of tickets. Uh, Delta now flies out of Atlanta. We couldn't go because of the visas. Now we have religious visas again. Uh, see? Suddenly, the Lord called and He is, he is moving the government of the United States to, to help us to go to Cuba. <laughs> In other words, Mr. Trump is listening because God is telling him what to do. Or telling whoever did. Why? Because all we do is to religion, preach the gospel in Cuba. Is that good for Cuba? Oh yes, they need it. They're broken. They're down out, worn out. And we're preaching Jesus Christ resurrected, ascended into heaven, returning in Cuba. Is that God's purpose? Yes. Amen. Yeah, it is. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Amen? Yes. Amen. Okay. All right. I think I convinced you guys about this. Okay. So, let me give you, uh, very simple, seven steps. Yeah. Seven steps on hearing the prophetic voice of God. You know where this is, this is coming out? Where this is coming out from, Matt? Oh gosh, Rick, you asked the wrong question. Hmm? Uh, I have no idea. Where? where? Word. It's a word. Revelation from the Lord. Okay. Number one. The first thing you need to do is accept that the Holy Spirit is active and convincing in your life. John 16, 8, 9, and 10. The nature of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. John 16, 8. 9 and 10th and 11. John 16, 8, 9, 10th and 11. In other words, you have to accept the nature of the Holy Spirit if you can hear from God because the Holy Spirit is the Wi Fi of God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Amen. That's true. He communicates. The connection. And you have to be open to that. You're not all, oh, but I have a problem with. Uh, Speaking in tongues, well, you won't hear a word, nothing. 
Why is it that is a problem? Because you are telling the Holy Spirit that nobody, nobody can pray in the Spirit. And that is unbiblical. That's just not, not going to work. Uh, chapter 16, John 16, 8, 9, and 10. Go ahead. When he comes, righteousness, when he comes, he will provide the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment about sin because people do not believe in it. About righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Yeah, now get, get a yellow marker and mark that. Okay, every time you read Bible, you, you mark it so you can remember. Okay, put the date close to it. When He comes, you convict the world of sin because you're not believing me. Right? I'll go to my Father, see me no more. Judging for the rule of this world is already judged. And so the nature of the Holy Spirit needs to be accepted as, as His work uh, 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 after the, the Lord ascended into heaven. Number two. Receive the anointing of God in your life. Nathaniel believed the prophecy spoken over, over him. And receive it. Receive the anointing. Right. Oh, but I, I don't know, Rick. Are you ordained? Do you, you wear black? Uh, do I, are you an elder? Can you do that? Who gave you license to do that? Bishop Cannon did. But if he did, somebody would. So, I like to anoint you with oil. And I want you to believe what God's going to say to you. Yeah. Number three, exercise your faith by saying over and over again what you hear spiritually, physically, emotionally, having to do with sickness, finances, relational. Psalm 81.10 says, open your mouth and I'll feel it. In other words, speak openly. I want to have a wife. I want her to be beautiful and full of the Holy Spirit. I can see her coming to me. I speak life into. I know God, she's already alive. I speak into my wife. I thank you, God, for giving me. If you don't, if you don't exercise your faith and speak out, how can you receive from God? Amen? Okay. Number four. Prophecy is, comes before prayer. Because prayer is an act of praying to God. Prophecy comes directly from God before prayer. You pray the need. You do what you hear. Okay? Prophecy comes before prayer. Prophecy, prayer is, is seeking God, interceding, talking to Him. Prophecy is God talking to you. Hallelujah. Now, number five, you've got to be specific about this. Not in general. When prophesying, get the need of the most exact detail. I like her to be five feet eight. I want her to be a beautiful girl with clean, beautiful teeth. I like her to be godly, full of the Holy Spirit. Anointed and have some money. Some money. <laughs> and have some money. See? Oh my goodness. The problem is you need to tell how much money 
you need to have. In other words, be specific. Prophesying about family, have names, age, problems in detail, finances to exact amount. People say, Rick, why do we raise the money that we need? Because I want it to be exact. Number six, praying prophetically is prayer on super mode. Calling things that be not as though they were. And so today, when we come to, to the war room, we pray prophetically. We're calling forth and we're speaking boldly. It's a different type of prayer. Prayer prophetically. You can be in quiet on your closet. When you come to prayer prophetically, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit of God, God, I call forth into being. I ask you, God, to open the heart of Air Canada to help us and to get done so we can get our seats. God, as we go to Israel, I call forth order in that airport. I call forth coronavirus to go to hell and disappear out of anywhere we go in the name of Jesus. That's a little different, isn't it? Number seven. The last one. Lay hands on objects that are to be blessed. Destroy objects that are cursed. Speak and anoint. Pray and sprinkle water and salt. What is water? Water purifies. Ezekiel. Matthew 5, 13 and 14. It says salt is a, is a type of the word. It's a preservative. So water and salt is a way to deliver, to set free, to protect. Nothing wrong with sprinkling water on people. <laughs> Amen. Well, I hope that these seven principles will help you. I'll see you in Atlanta tomorrow night.